Jacob Albrocht, Tommy Castor. This is Sports Daily on Wichita's number one sports radio, 97.5 and 1240 KFH. He's got all the insight on what you want to know and maybe some of what you don't want to know. Here's K-State insider Tim Fitzgerald. All right, Tim, we got the hype music here on Sports Daily for you. Uh, We may need it because there's not a lot of hype coming out of Manhattan this week (laughs) after that dud on Saturday. Was was this a Will Howard game last year? Like, we've seen this before, and we don't like it. Yeah, that wasn't pretty. um, And did certainly raise some concerns about where this offense is at heading to Oklahoma. But, uh, you know, I've had a couple people remind me that two years ago they lost Arkansas State, turned around the next week and won at Oklahoma. Uh, Chris Kleiman is quick to point out that there was no crowd involved during the pandemic season, so that was a little bit different. But, uh, you know what, in college football, every week is self-contained. you got to take care of your business every week, um, and Kansas State didn't do that. Tim, I think that one of the the big narratives that I know that, that we've talked about with you over the last couple of weeks, and uh, I've seen other people discussing, is the the thought that the offense through the first couple of games for Kansas State really didn't uh, want to show their hand, didn't want to tip their hand and, and do a whole lot. Well, we saw a situation against Tulane where they kind of needed to show their hand a little bit. Is this? Do you think this was a one-off issue, or are there real concerns about just the balance of this offense? Are they going to basically need to just rely on Deuce Vaughn, or is there something else going on here? Well, uh, you know, Chris Kleiman's not beating around the bush. I mean, he's after the game, he said this, and then after watching film and uh, at Tuesday's press conference, he said this again. They have to get Adrian Martinez to let it rip. He's not hes not throwing the ball downfield. He's finding a reason not to throw it. Um, he's so eager. Eager is not the right word, probably. So focused on not turning the ball over that he's not willing to take chances. Um, and that's just no way. Got to shake Adrian um, out of this because he, he was never this version at Nebraska. Um, he was kind of a gambler that made some mistakes but also made a lot of big plays well he's not gambling he's not taking chances he's not making big plays and he's not turning the ball over so he's kind of swung back too far the other direction I, I you know we've talked about hiding plays in the playbook is there any world Tim Tim Fitzgerald go powercat.com that they miscalculated here and did bury things in the playbook they weren't then able to pull out that might be there. We just weren't able to see them against Tulane because they saw that game going differently. I think there might be a, a part of truth to that. Um, I think they got themselves stuck in a rut and then they couldn't get out of it. Uh, they were just so conservative and they couldn't break free from that. But in, in fairness, it seemed like everything Kansas State did, Tulane was one step ahead. It was a Great defensive effort by the Green Wave. I don't want to take take away from them because they beat Kansas State at the point of attack. They, they won the line of scrimmage, uh, which has to be uh, probably an even bigger concern going into Oklahoma as you lost your line of scrimmage to Tulane, which was a good team, but certainly not a Big 12 quality team 
like Oklahoma, um, and now you got to go turn around and and push around Oklahoma. Um, I mean, I think beyond Adrian Martinez, that's probably even a bigger concern that's just harder to define. Tim, as far as uh, your your thoughts, I know we talked about Adrian Martinez a little bit and just you know the overall balance of this offense and what they're able to do with him moving forward. When you watch that game against Tulane, I know one thing that stuck out to me, and you you know the the stats speak for themselves, but just the ineffectiveness of Kansas State on third down uh, and not being able to extend drives. That's I'm sure partially on Adrian Martinez's shoulders, but some of it, I think there were a couple of play calls that I saw that I'm like, you're calling that on third down. Like that's, that's not going to work. Uh, so moving forward, especially as the Wildcats get into big 12 play, you know, they're, they're going to have to sustain some drives. What do you see Colin Klein trying to do, trying to implement, trying to put into place for them to be able to keep the offense on the field? Well, you're right there. You know, everything just was out of sorts. Um, this was the first real close game that Colin Klein had to call, and I don't think he did a good job. I think we all recognize he probably put some plays out there that just didn't make sense in terms of down and distance in the overall picture. Even if you're planning on going forward on fourth down, you know, Chris Kleinman talks a lot about play sequencing and trying to set yourselves up. Um, I just I saw some things that I, I think uh, odds were that weren't going to succeed. And um, it was a little baffling at times what they were trying to do with their play calling. Uh, but I also saw players that just didn't execute very well. I mean, just getting beat at the point of attack and letting guys into the backfield. Um, uh, Deuce Vaughn wasn't his normal elusive self, although Tulane did a great job tackling at his ankles. Um, and I think Colin Klein was just in the midst of a game where nothing would work, no matter what he called, it didn't seem to work in this game because, as I said, Tulane's defense was a step ahead of K-State's offense all day. Adrian Martinez, I, and I don't remember the exact number, but I think it's about 4.3 yards per attempt. Um, right. And I just, you know, I, I looked at, like, Caleb Williams as an example of a, a passer that pushes the ball well over 10 yards per attempt. I mean, that is wild, right? And and we know that's been the narrative. We know that Chris Kleiman has essentially called that out, and he did it after the game, and he's continued that this week. Is Rubley an option if it's just not in the arsenal for Adrian Martinez? And, you know, this, this story goes back because there was, I think, an unfair enthusiasm for Adrian Martinez to be something that he hasn't been over you know, over a long college career now. But if if this continues, how much longer will it be allowed to continue? And at what point is a change, you know, necessary to, to get somebody that can push it down the field a little bit? Yeah. Um, you know, you, you brought up the stats um, before I get to the quarterback situation. Uh, he doesn't compare to Adrian Martinez. He, over four years at Nebraska, his yards per attempt was eight. So he's have that. He's throwing a lot shorter. His yardage is way down. I mean, he was consistently throwing for, for more than 200 yards a game. He, there's no way he's going to do that the way he's throwing the ball. I mean, what, he completed 22 passes for 150. So um, he's not putting up nearly the same kind of stats he was. And his percentage is down while throwing shorter passes. So it's really strange. Now, the quarterback situation at Kansas State is this. I mean, Adrian Martinez is number one, but Will Howard's number two. And they're trying to get a registered on him 
because he played as a true freshman during the pandemic season, and they'd like to have him be able to fulfill all of his years. But if they're going to move away from Adrian Martinez, they'll move to Will Howard. Um, but if it's just an in-game substitution and a temporary thing, they'll go with Jake Rubley, who's the number three, but um, has redshirted last year. So um, I think if we see a quarterback change at Oklahoma, um, it will be very intriguing to see if they go with a more permanent solution in Will Howard, saying, you know what, we're willing to burn Will's redshirt again because we think he's going to have to play a lot this season, or if they just go with Jake Rubley who, you know, shows some promise, but honestly is still really green as a quarterback. And uh, I'll just be intrigued. I think we see Will Howard uh, on Saturday. I think they will put him in in some situations, particularly short yardage situations, because Will is now, you know, six foot five and 260 pounds. He looks like a tight end. Um, so I think we might see him uh, in some ball-carrying situations which is ironic to me because one of the things that Andrew Martinez supposedly brought was a great ability to run the ball, and he's been timid doing that at, in most situations also, including stepping out of bounds before a first down's picked up when he could have you know, gone a couple more yards and, and picked up the first down. So I think all those things are adding up, and we're going to see someone different unless Andrew Martinez is really good at Oklahoma. Talking to Tim Fitzgerald this morning from GoPowerCat.com. Tim, I, I think, you know, as I'm watching the games on Saturday, uh, I had to kind of, uh, you know, temper my my fear uh, a little bit about what was going on with Kansas State because I had just watched Oklahoma and Nebraska and saw Oklahoma absolutely take it to the Cornhuskers who, you know, yeah, they're not good and they're in the middle of a lot of drama right now uh, with their program. But Oklahoma looked really, really good, putting up 49 points in that game and and. Nebraska really had no stop for them. Kansas State's defense is different. We've seen the Wildcats defense go into Norman before and be able to shut down the Sooners. They've won with their defense. They've won with special teams against Oklahoma in the past. So looking ahead to this Saturday, that's got to be a key, right, for Kansas State, especially with the woes that we've seen so far passing the football on offense for Kansas State. They've got to go back into to Norman with that game plan to win with their defense, don't you think? Yeah, I think you're right. Chris Kleiman said something really interesting at Tuesday's press conference. He said, "We, you know, they've got to play complementary football with all three elements of the game. And the offense struggled, so the defense was really good against Tulane, but on that day, the defense needed to be great. Uh, and special teams was kind of a wash, but for the special teams at Kansas State, that felt like a loss because they need to win special teams for everything to work right. And I, I thought that was, you know a good way of saying we're all in this together. And I know the offense is struggling, so we got to pick up the other elements of the game. Um, I I don't know if this defense can be put into the same kind of positions uh, that it was against Tulane and survive Oklahoma because Dylan Gabriel and this Oklahoma offense is a lot more potent. They're kind of running an Art Brow-style spread that emphasizes the run first but spreads you out um, from sideline to sideline and, you know, puts a lot of isolation on making one-on-one tackles, which K-States are pretty good at, but they're going to have to be really good against this much more potent Oklahoma team. Oklahoma looks great with uh, Venables, a guy that you know well. Jaron Canick, the Kansan, mm-hmm. has been outstanding. Um, is this a situation where 
I, I, it's just hard to find a path if K-State's offense struggled against Tulane, what they're going to do against this defense. What, what does it take? I mean, special teams almost certainly have to be a factor. Game-breaking plays. And there's been a rumor that maybe Deuce Vaughn was sick on Saturday. I mean, can Kansas State establish what they want to do? Because even if Adrian Martinez pushes it down the field, Kansas State still wants to play defense and run the ball, right? Can Deuce Vaughn have success sure. against this defense? Yeah, you know, he has against Oklahoma in the past. Uh, but again, that gets back to what kind of line play he was getting, and he just didn't have much room to operate last Saturday. It seemed like every time he'd get the ball, there was someone waiting for him, uh, which, you know, was a really negative sign throughout the day. Uh, yeah, Deuce was cramping up, missed some of the third quarter. Um, it came back for the fourth quarter. Um, but I don't think that was a real significant role. In fact, I, I think DJ Giddens was uh, having a really good game himself as a backup running back, and I kind of wish he'd had a few more carries because he was getting to the edge and was able to do some things that, for whatever reason, Deuce wasn't. So, um, yeah, they're just going to have to block a lot better, whether it's pass protection or uh, actual run blocking. They they can't fall into the, the the poor play that they had against Tulane. They just have to be more efficient. But if Adrian can stretch the ball down the field and keep Oakland a little bit more honest, it's going to back those safeties up. And you know, particularly showing over the middle, maybe it'll back the linebackers up a little bit. So um, we'll see if they can find some semblance of a passing game that can help the run game a little bit because anything would have helped Deuce Vaughn shake free on Saturday, and they're going to need him to have a 100-plus yard game, no doubt about it. Tim, prediction. What do you think? Can they turn it around? Uh, I mean, is this well, is this a one-off two-lane thing, or is this a sky-is-falling moment? What does your gut say? We, we don't know yet, and uh, I don't think the sky-is-falling, I think, because they'll make a quarterback change before it actually falls. And uh, But does that solve it, or are we going to find out that it was greater issues than just Adrian Martinez? Look, guys, I, I've never been a, a gambling man, and I proved last week why I should be a gambling man with um, some really efficient losses. I found a good way to lose money last week. <laughs> um, but ironically, I, I did win a couple bets uh, by betting on Kansas, which has kind of been hard for me to deal with, but um, it's, you know, it, it is what it is. Uh, I, I can't believe this spread's only 13. I, I really can't. Uh, from seeing how these two teams performed last week, and granted these two teams, you know, the last three games have been decided by like five or six points, and K-State's two and one of those. So I think Vegas gets caught up in that. But if K-State can play within two touchdowns uh, after what happened last weekend, I think most fans would feel a sense of relief because I think they fear they're going to get boat raced out of Norman, you know, and lose by four or five touchdowns. And, uh, you know, I, I can't really explain that spread, but Vegas always seems to know things. So they think it's going to be a relatively close game. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I, I was very surprised to see it as well. And, you know, maybe Vegas has caught. We talked about them not catching up to, to the level of K-State's defense. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe they have caught up to the level of K-State's defense. Tim, before we let you go, anything special at Go Powercat you guys have working for this one? Yeah, and we're, we're just cooking away. We've got our regular coverage going right now. A lot of free coverage on Thursdays at Go Powercat, so hop on over and, and check it out. We do a really uh, 
a big mix of free and VIP stuff for our customers. So there's a little bit of something for everyone. Tim Fitzgerald, GoPowerCat.com. We always appreciate these Thursday visits, Tim. Uh, hopefully next week we'll we'll have a party to sandstorm to talk about. Yeah, we'll, we'll be trying to explain how they had that turnaround in one week because it's hard to explain, and I'll fumble all my words for that too. It, well, we all will because it won't make sense, and that's okay because that's better. I, I miss I miss a week ago when we were having uh, you know a blast with college football in the state of Kansas. Let's let's get back to that. Tim, thanks, man. Always appreciate it. Thanks, boys. Great to talk to you. There goes Tim Fitzgerald. Uh, he'll join us each and every Thursday. Strange time in Manhattan. I don't know. I don't know what to think, and I, and it doesn't sound like Tim does either. I don't really know what to think after the Tulane game. So we'll just I, I'm gonna step back and and try to reevaluate after this one. By the way, congratulations to Sharon in Derby. She won four tickets to a movie, four tickets to the Thunder home opener, a couple of coupons for free iced tea at HTO. Congratulations to Sharon. We'll continue. Uh, giveaways is a part of our uh, our daily routine here on Sports Daily because, well, we like you guys and we want to take care of you. 869-1240. Uh, some really interesting and uh, important News in the NBA coming down to one of the best teams in the league, maybe without its head coach now for an entire season. I'll tell you what's going on there when we return on Sports Daily. All right, Tommy, what in the world is going on in the NBA today with the Boston Celtics? Uh, it's crazy. It's been a pretty heavy 24 to 48 hours in the NBA. First, you have the situation in Phoenix with their owner, Robert Sarver, and coming out and saying that he's going to try to sell the team because he's been suspended for an entire year. Due to the workplace culture there in Phoenix, that was that's already happened. That's going on right now as far as his announcement. But then just within the last couple of hours, Boston Celtics head coach Ime Udoka uh, apparently had an improper, intimate, and consensual relationship with a female member of the team's staff. That's a violation of the franchise's code of conduct. And ESPN, Adrian Wojnarowski, is reporting that Udoka could be suspended for the entire season coming up for the NBA. Um, and that's a big Woj bomb that was dropped within the last couple of hours. Um, yeah, it's kind of been a heavy couple of news days for the NBA. It's uh, it, it's I, it's called, again, improper, intimate, and consensual relationship. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. But now ESPN just this morning saying it could be a full season suspension. This is a team that expects to compete for an NBA title this year. I I don't know. I'm I'm gonna just honestly, I'm gonna step back from it because it's weird. It seems like that punishment for a team that's competing at a high level, like everyone's trying to say, oh, it's consent. Well, some something is going on here. Or the Celtics wouldn't drop a hammer like this, I would think. Like this, there's there's something else to this. There has to be, right? 
Like, this is a strange situation. Yeah, it is. And you you also think about just the way Yudoka has been um, celebrated in the NBA as a you know bright up-and-coming star. I mean, he led the Celtics to the Eastern Conference Championship, and they went to the NBA Finals against the Warriors in his very first season as head coach. I mean, they the Celtics sort of crowned him as the the next you know big time coaching star in the NBA. He was a disciple of Greg Popovich in San Antonio uh, for a long time as an assistant down there. Um, this is quite a disappointing turn in up to this point, what has been a really bright future uh, for Udoka. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what to make of this story. Like it's it's been a hard one for me to follow. So I again, I'm stepping back on it because I think there's something else here we don't know yet. So I'm not going to sit here and like say the Celtics are doing the wrong thing or anything like that because I just don't think we have all the information. So I, I don't think my, my question any way we do. Yeah, my question then to you would be, let's say that, and, and we don't know the full terms of the story, and so we're you know speculating on this a little bit, but let's say that the Celtics come down with a full year-long suspension. At that point, you know, you're going to have to look at an interim head coach. Is it just easier for the future of the franchise to cut ties with them completely? Oh, man. Um, again, it's a full year. Again, I think it depends. I think it depends on what happened here. Like, if they're just really strict on, like, inner office romance, then that's one thing, right? That that seems um, – that seems unlikely for a full year suspension. Again, it seems like there's something else there. So I don't know how to answer that until we know more about what happened. If, if they are that strict and this is just a punishment for an inner office romance, then no, I, I think you come back from this clean because you'll have a fine, you know, you'll have a fine court of public opinion perception. But yeah, I think you consider it if, if this is something where the public is going to like cringe, right? But I, I don't know how to answer it because this is a little bit unprecedented, right? When Because all we've been told right now is this consensual relationship within the organization. I don't know anything about Yudoka's personal life. None. Don't know if he's single. Don't know if he's married. Like, I don't know anything about him, right? Um, so I don't know why this suspension would be so severe unless there's something else to it. And if that something else to it ends up being something that we're all going to say, oh, my goodness, you know, like, good Lord, what is what is good? then, yeah, I think you consider it. But, you know, right now, this appears to be the path they're willing to take. I don't know, man. It, again, it's a strange story. Yeah, it's it's messy. And, you know, I think of other coaches in other leagues that have been, you know, suspended for an entire season. And the most recent one I can think of would probably be the Astros and the, the, the whole controversy in, in Major League Baseball a couple of years ago. Um, you know, A.J. Hinch. And, of course, these were league suspensions coming down from Major League Baseball entirely. But uh, the Astros just completely cut ties with with Hinch. Now, it's a different – it's apples and oranges. It's not the same situation entirely. But, you know, Alex Cora, his involvement, he was uh, suspended by the Red Sox, but he's back as their manager now. Um, you know, so I, I'm trying to think of times where – the only thing that stands out to me is that we're, we're talking about – a potential full season. Like if it was a partial 
if he was suspended for a few games or a couple months or whatever, all right, you hang with them, you promote an assistant to interim coach for a little while, but a full year, depending on what level of involvement, if any, he can have with the organization during that year, might just be better off for the front office to say, look, we, we, we were high on you. We thought that you were, you know, a great coach. You've had success with us in your short time as, as head coach, but a full year is pretty extensive. We're going to have to go a different direction. Of course, we don't know the inner workings. We don't know the details, but I'm with you. Like this is a, a weird story. And the fact that it is a full year, it just stands out to me. Yeah. It's uh, I, I don't know. It, it's a story that I've got to, just sort of shake my head at a little bit until we get more information. I'm I'm gonna hold out and and not have a real take on it at this point. And I think what the information we have real takes on things, right? I right. I know. I, I don't like to have hot takes <laughs> if if <laughs> because I don't want to have a hot take today that could change tomorrow, right? Like sure. I sure it seems like a harsh punishment, but I can't say that until we know what happened. And and I'm gonna guess that we're gonna find out because it's a it's a it's a story very much in the spotlight. Another story in the, not in the spotlight, and certainly a totally different story, and one that we probably are more comfortable having a hot take on. Tommy, I saw you, and it, it's it's sort of an obscure Nebraska blog, but there was a thought right out on social media that the Huskers might be interested in Eric Bieniemy. I bring this up because. That component of it is combined with now Lance Leipold doing a couple of more interviews where he seems more firm in his commitment to Kansas. Um, so the you know the Nebraska job is going to loom over this season for us around here heavy now for potentially another reason. Do you think Nebraska would really be interested in Bienemy? Um, and how good a fit might that be? Bienemy has college experience. Obviously, he's done. He spent some time there, but. That was an interesting one to me. Yeah, that kind of came out of nowhere. So this is a um, Nebraska message board blog. It's called the Platinum Board. Um, it's the only place that I've been able to find this so far. And so the, the good thing about me uh, compared to you is that I'm not a reputable journalist. So I don't have to go and source, <laughs> you know, my my info and find a you know bunch of different confirmations and all of that. Um, so uh, you know, I, I found this is kind of an ex obscure blog, but uh, there, the rumor is that Trev Alberts met with Eric Bieniemy on Monday night about the head coaching uh, position at Nebraska, um, and he's not a name that has been brought up really at all by anybody else up to this point. And the more that I thought about it, if this is in fact true that he did meet with Trev Alberts, I love it. I think it's a, a great fit. Um, you know, Bieniemy had great success uh, in college, of course, as a player with Colorado. He's had time uh, coaching in, in the college ranks. Uh, and I think that this would be a good fit for him. Uh, and it's high profile enough that I think it makes sense for him to leave his role if he's offered this job to go to Nebraska. And so it, the more that I thought about it, and I don't know what your take is on this, but the more that I thought about it, I was like, why didn't we think of him in the first place? Like, this is a name that probably should have been on the list from day one. Maybe. Um, I've always said Bienemy has the, you know, the swag that he is a motivator and that plays in college, right? That plays well in college. The the remember the all the drama swirling about Bienemy and 
you know, was he really a good play caller and was there a rift there and all that stuff. I don't know what I would take away from that. Bienemy seems like he'd be a really good recruiter uh, to me. And and I think we all feel like he's ready to lead a team in some capacity. So yeah, I mean I could get on board with a Bienemy hire. I think the fans would get on board with a Bienemy hire. I don't know that it's what Nebraska needs. Um if I okay, so you're in you're in the Nebraska big seat there and you get to make the call. Would you rather have Bienemy or Urban Meyer? Uh, I think for a long-term fit, the more that I think about it, the enemy for sure. Um, and again, I go back to me saying I, the more I thought about it, I was like, why didn't I think of him in the first place? I think it's a really good fit. And I think the one thing that potentially stands in the enemy's way is the thing that it's, it's kind of been a knock on him uh, throughout the last couple of years as he's interviewed for head coaching positions. And there's this perception or this narrative, and I don't know how accurate it is. I've never sat in the room and watched him, but this narrative that he's not a very good interview. Uh, I don't know. I have no idea. That might be unfair. That's just what we've heard over the last couple of years. Uh, so I, I wonder if, again, and I have to stress, if this happened, because I don't know, we don't know for sure, that Trev Alberts met with Eric Bieniemy. You have to wonder how well that actually went. And if it stops there, I would imagine Trev Alberts is going to meet with a lot of different people. Uh, so you just have to wonder, all right, so he might have met with Eric Bieniemy, but how serious is the interest? How serious is it on both sides? And if it's if it's there and he interviewed well and he's got a good idea on what direction he wants to take the program, I'm with you. I think he could be a really good recruiter. I think for a long-term play, Bieniemy's better I think Urban Meyer gives you that jolt you need right now, but I don't think Urban Meyer's leaving Fox. I mean, he said as much that he's not interested in that. Ah, Urban Meyer would leave leave being a broadcaster to be a head coach at a premier program again. I would think. But isn't Nebraska I would think a premier that program? If, well, Big Ten program, yeah, probably for him. Yes, I mean he's he's not going to get you know. He's he's not going to get Florida again or Ohio State. But here's why I think Urban Meyer's a good fit. Is he the right long-term fit? Probably not because everywhere he leaves, there's some sort of controversy, it seems like, when he leaves there, right? So long-term, no, but I don't know that Nebraska is going to be in a position where they can look to the long-term. I don't know if they're going to be able to go that route again and get the patience that they need because, you know, Scott Frost was given an appropriate amount of time, certainly, but he wasn't the right hire. And fans are sort of becoming disinterested and turning on it when it's Scott Frost, right? So if you try to do a rebuild and you need, let's say it needs three years, which seems reasonable. Let's say you hire Bienemy and, and he needs three years to really turn things around. You think they're going to really have the, the patience there and the ability to be patient enough to wait three years? That's what, that's, that's why I don't think this is an attractive job for somebody like Lance Leipold. Because I, I don't know that that fan base is ready right now to sort of throw in the towel on what's really needed there, and that is an entire rebuild. I don't think the fan base there is ready for that because they thought they just went through that anyway. The reason I think Urban Meyer makes a lot of sense is because say what you will about Urban Meyer, 
and his NFL joke of a tenure notwithstanding, he's done this now like four times. Bowling Green, Utah, Florida, Ohio State, same result every time, right? Immediate success. And honestly, so uh, yeah, Nebraska, like maybe even if you knew it was going to end ugly for whatever reason, the short-term immediate success could set you up then to do things and have long-term success, a la Ohio State now, who's a perennial power without Urban Meyer. But let's not, you know, sugarcoat who brought them, you know, back to prominence. It was Urban Meyer. Yeah, so I think that you can kind of equate uh, a potential Urban Meyer hiring at Nebraska kind of along the same lines of Kansas hiring Les Miles. Uh, you know, trying to take a big swing, a national championship winning coach to come in and win the press conference and get donors excited and a big name who can show off his ring to get recruits on campus and, and all of that in the short term. I think a lot of Kansas fans at the time were like, all right, yeah, you know, we can get on board with this. We're excited for the big name. Uh, he'll be here for a couple of years and then he'll hand the program off in a better shape than the way that he found it. So I think that you can equate that. However, ultimately, that didn't work at Kansas. I'm not suggesting that it would be as big of a dumpster fire for Nebraska and Urban Meyer as it was for Kansas and Les Miles. But ultimately, I think it would end in a similar way where it's probably not going to work to the extent of the expectations that Nebraska fans have. And then at that point, then maybe they'll want to actually do a real big time rebuild in Nebraska. So that, that's my thought. Bruce Feldman from The Athletic and Fox Sports, he's reporting that Nebraska has three guys that are at the top of their list. Matt Campbell, Bill O'Brien, Lance Leipold. Those are the three names, according to Bruce Feldman, that Trev Alberts has, I guess, zeroed in on or lead the list as far as possible candidates. Uh, um, that's kind of what, that's what he's been reporting right now is those three guys lead the list oh for Nebraska. No, that's not good. That's not good. Where does Leipold rank on that list? I mean, that's the real question. Iowa State's 3-0. and They're actually favored against Baylor at home this week, which surprised me a little bit. Um, I, I think where Lance Leipold ranks on that list is pretty important. Is Nebraska going to be the job that finally pulls Matt Campbell away from Iowa State? Maybe. I mean, the money will be there, right? Like Matt Campbell's last year was Iowa State's year. Uh, Bill O'Brien, well, you know, I assume, would take it. What's Bill O'Brien even doing right now? Why is he so interesting to everybody? Yeah, he's the offensive coordinator for Nick Saban right now. So, um, okay. you know, that's that's part of it. But if, if, if Yeah, and, the, and those the guys article, have success. Yeah, those yeah. rebounds have success. Yeah, if the, uh, the article from The Athletic tells you anything, uh, and I'm looking at the tweet right now, the image that shows up when you link that article on Twitter is of Lance Leipold leading ah. the Jayhawks into battle. Uh, the, the tweet from Bruce Feldman says, and this was two days ago, 10 days into Nebraska's coaching search, sources tell us that, and this is the order in his tweet, Lance Leipold, Matt Campbell, and Bill O'Brien are high on the Huskers list as Nebraska's process begins to unfold. Uh, Lance Leipold has been more firm in his, you know, love for KU in the last couple of days than he was in the first time he was asked about this. 
The good news for Jayhawk fans is no matter what, the team did not appear to be distracted by it last week. Um, so that's that's the best news in the short term. In the long term, I don't know. I, I, I Initially, I thought no chance. Then we thought, uh-oh, he wants that job. Now I don't know what to think. I just let's just hope for Kansas fans that Nebraska doesn't zero in him as their top choice. That's that's I think I think that's where we we can leave that because it's going to be uncomfortable if he does end up being their top choice. 869-1240 the number here on Sports Daily. We'll continue on a Thursday edition. Uh we'll look ahead to Thursday night football. What do we think about this game? Is it does it mean anything in the AFC? I think it could. I think it might. We'll talk about Thursday night football when we return. Love and Tom Mornings. This is KFH. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. It's better over here. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. If your day sounds like... We need the report ASAP. You deserve Medella. If you've persevered through... You deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp but refreshing taste. Or if you overcame... Two more reps, two more. You deserve this ice-cold reward. Medella, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Thursday night football, not quite the matchup we saw last week with the Chiefs and the Chargers, but, you know, really, um, episode three of Thursday night football, we had Bills Rams, we had Chiefs Chargers, and with those four teams, you felt like you had Super Bowl contenders. Is there a world where either the Steelers or the Browns could elevate themselves to that level? And you would suspect if both of those teams do it, it's going to be with different quarterbacks than we'll see tonight, right? At some point, we suspect Kenny Pickett will get the nod in Pittsburgh. At some point, Deshaun Watson will not be suspended and take over in Cleveland. So we look at this game and in a division where it's going to be competitive, it does feel like, even though it might be ugly, it could be a pretty important game for you know, a division that seems up for grabs. 
nah, I'm, I'm not interested in this game at all. Um, there's not a world where I care about a matchup between Mitch Trubisky and Jacoby Brissett. Like it just, that world does not exist. Uh, maybe if this was in week 14 and we're seeing, you know, potentially Kenny Pickett taking on Deshaun Watson. Yeah. Maybe I would tune into that. And especially with a, a division potentially up for grabs, but I think that I think Cincinnati will get it right. Uh, that Owen two start, I think is a little bit misleading. Um, I think that they'll figure it out and Baltimore is still there too. And Lamar Jackson is kind of balled out the last couple of games. So I don't see either of these teams being a contender in that division. And uh, man, I'm sorry. I don't, I don't really have much interest in this game at all. Uh, you're going to watch it though. I know. Well, you of are. course. Well, yeah, I'll yeah. watch it, but I, you know, I don't really care. I, I mean, I, I you mean know, Nick Chubb and Najee Harris eh, excite sure. me a little bit. I, I, I would like to see if George Pickens can, you know, boring. elevate a little bit. I, I, I know. Fest. Oh, it's going to, it's going to be boring and it's going to be a snooze fest. I think there's a decent chance that it's competitive though. And, and that does make things a little bit interesting. But I think we look at it, and back to my original question, do you think either of these teams, when they ultimately make their change at quarterback, is a real contender in the AFC? I think are, there's are a we, chance. I think there's a chance Cleveland is. Are you talking this season be a contender? This season. at the You know, no. if they can find their way into the playoffs no. and the other quarterbacks are starting for these teams. Nope. I don't, I don't think so. I mean, you know, think of, and I know Deshaun Watson has, you know, been, been a talented quarterback, you know, during his time, but he hasn't played football in a while. Uh, and so there's going to be rust that he's going to have to shake off when he finds his way back out on the field for Cleveland. It's a brand new team, brand new system. I don't see it. I don't see either one of these teams sniffing a playoff run at all. Not a chance. I want it to be because I don't like watching boring games. So I'm going to pretend like this game is very <laughs> meaningful uh, tonight. 6.30, you'll hear it. Steelers and Browns right here on KFH. Uh, I, I do think Cleveland and Pittsburgh always, you know, it's going to be physical. Uh, it's going to be aggressive. Miles Garrett is as fun to watch defensively as any player in football. Remember the helmet swing, the history of this game in recent years involving Miles Garrett. There, there is some... There are some things there that'll add a little spice to the game tonight, I'm sure. Uh, all right, we'll come back. We'll wrap up this Thursday edition of Sports Daily. All broadcaster, Jad Chambers producing. Hang around. <laughs>